0: Hey everyone, it's great to have you with us here on LJN Radio, and you've called up a new podcast of ours, I Want to Be A. Then we finish that sentence with each episode as we bring in professionals from a variety of fields and industries, giving you all the information you need to land these particular jobs and hopefully thrive in them. I'm your host, Tim Muma, and today I want to be a pilot. there's definitely a certain aura surrounding this occupation. You know, the idea of flying an enormous vehicle, thousands of feet in the air across the country or even the world. Of course, people do wonder how you get to that point and what does it take to be successful. Joining us from Texas is Pedro Riggero, an experienced pilot with Southwest Airlines. Pedro, thanks for coming on the show today.
1: Uh, Tim, thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be on the show with you.
0: Of course, great to have you. I know, uh, you know, obviously, you pilots are very busy flying all over the place. You mentioned how you just got in uh, yesterday, but I guess to start, to give people an idea, tell us a little about yourself, your experience, sort of just the the quick background of, of what you bring to the table.
1: Okay, absolutely. Well, I was uh, born and raised in Puerto Rico and uh, five siblings, so I had to make a decision on which way I was going to, Uh, pursue my my flying career, I knew I was going to be a pilot since I was a child, and uh, my parents uh, promoted that by taking trips to the airport and uh, watching uh, unique airplanes land, like, uh, for example, the Concorde uh, landed in San Juan one time, and and, uh, I was able to see that happening, and the uh, airplane that carried the Pope into San Juan (laughs) back in the 60s and 70s did the same thing, and my mom uh, took me over to see that uh, that landing, and that kind of instills a a spark in your in your heart and your spirit, and it keeps you keeps that flame going, and motivates you to continue doing what you want to do to pursue as a career as an adult.
0: So, I guess, how did you start to get into it? I mean, as far as schooling, I mean, did you go certain places? Did you have training ahead of time? I guess, sort of lead us down that path a little bit, how you really got into the industry and then obviously became a pilot.
1: Okay. Well, I had a I had a mentor, believe it or not. I had a mentor, a friend of my dad. He was a helicopter pilot. Oh, okay. And uh, he flew helicopters during the uh, Vietnam era. He would talk to me and sit down and answer questions and why do things fly and how do you become a pilot? And and it was pretty obvious to me that you needed somebody coaching you and, and letting you know if, you, if what you were doing was correct and and it was in the right path for, for the future. And uh, what this gentleman did for me was he pretty much showed me the different avenues that you could pursue to become a pilot.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, I chose the military avenue. I decided to join the military in 1980, well, actually right out of college in 1981. And uh, my degree during my college work was in engineering. Uh, at that time, back in the 70s, an engineering degree was looked uh, favorable as someone that could actually also perform pilot duties okay. due to the mathematics and the, the math and the uh, You know, being able to basically add, subtract, and divide quickly. Sure. And uh, little did I know, once I came in the military, there were persons with uh, degrees in music, and they were (laughs) fantastic pilots. And uh, so even though a a bachelor's degree is something that's uh, encouraged and many, many companies actually require it, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you can have a degree in, in basically anything, business degree, you can have a degree in uh, mathematics, physics. All of them would actually allow you to, to become a pilot. The important thing is to finish your high school studies, to finish your college studies, and have a, have a plan and a path of how you're going to continue after that and, and pursue your, your, your career as a pilot.
0: Okay. Well, I mean, obviously you brought up the educational side of things and, and that there are different avenues. Um, you, know, you mentioned going to the military as well. In terms of becoming a pilot, being licensed, that sort of thing, I mean, are there certain schools you need to be going to for the training side of it? I mean, when you're in the military, is, is that all considered part of, of what would be training or your education? How does that all work in terms of actually leading up to those steps where, look, you are, uh, you know, you, you have all the things you need to actually fly an airplane?
1: Okay. Believe it or not, you could come into the military with absolutely no flying experience. Really? Yes, sir. Well, they will test you. There's a uh, qualification test that they give you, and it actually gauges your ability to perform certain functions that are uh, required to be a pilot. For example, reading the charts, uh, reading the charts in a... Are you ready for this? <laughs> Upside down, for example. Instead nice. of being lined up north and south, they might be lined up east and west, but okay. you're going north, so you got to figure out uh, where am I standing here on this chart? Okay, and if if I am here, which way is north? Okay, I know i got to make a right turn to go east. And uh, uh, so those type of things are tested on this uh, qualification test, and once they see the results and they determine that you have basically the basics for becoming and understanding the curriculum, they will actually put you through all the required schools and send you to pilot training, which is a one-year school. And once you graduate, you have about 200 hours, 185, 200 hours of flying in military aircraft, and then you go and serve as a military pilot for, I believe nowadays, it's about 10 to 11 years. Wow. So, yeah, there is a big commitment. Uh, sure. The uh, military spends uh, a fair amount of, uh, of uh, money training you, and they, they actually ask you to repay them by, by giving them your time, which is not a bad thing because by paying them back, you're flying, you're doing what you like to do, and you're also gaining more experience. You go, you obviously, you start uh, in the right seat of the aircraft as a first officer or co pilot. And then you move to the left seat of the aircraft as an aircraft commander or a captain, as we call them in the uh civilian world and and it's more responsibility and and more flying time and it's uh it's a it's a great experience everything is baby steps you you start sure. you start from the beginning with somebody coaching you in the other seat and then eventually five six ten years later you're teaching somebody the same thing that someone else taught you so so it is a process. It's like it's basically like they're learning to drive. You don't get on the car, you turn the keys, and you go. You have you have an instructor. They teach you how to drive, and eventually, you pass your your license. You you become a licensed pilot, and uh, and away you go. Now you're flying by yourself. On the uh, civilian world, let me add something real quick. Yes, you definitely. can start flying when you're like 14 years old. Okay. Uh, if you have the economical means, you can go to a uh, an airport and become a student under the uh, instruction of of uh, of uh, an instructor pilot. it's what they could, they're called right and uh, uh, they they're called certified flying instructor CFIs. and this uh, person will teach you all the basics. They will give you ground school, teaching you what you're gonna do on the ground first, then you get on the uh, small airplane. And you go up in the air and you practice, you do uh, turns about a point, you do figure eights, you follow roads, you uh, practice your landings and your takeoffs, you practice different techniques of landing and taking off, and that's how you start gaining experience and evolving uh, into a person that after 20 hours and age 16 can actually take the airplane by himself into the air. Wow. Then once you reach the 40-hour hurdle or, or, or challenge, <laughs> once you got those 40 hours under your belt, you can actually uh, ride with a uh, FAA-designated uh, examiner or a person from the FAA per se, and that person will grant you your private pilot's license. And that would be actually the first step in most, uh, most people's careers would be acquiring the, uh, the private license. Then you can go out and fly with your spouse, your girlfriend, your friends, and you can be, uh, obviously for recreational purposes, you can go and have lunch in Oklahoma. You take off from Texas, go have lunch in Oklahoma and return back to Texas, and that is perfectly legal, and you are qualified and current to do that. Uh, So it's a lot of fun. You get to go places, and and, uh, at the same time, you're building your time. And, And you blink your eyes, and when you least know it, you have 70, 80 hours, and you're hooked. You're hooked for the rest of your life. You love what you're doing, and and you can't get enough of the flying. It's it's challenging and it's uh, exciting, and it teaches it, it teaches you many things.
0: Yeah, no, I, I can imagine, and you know the the side of you know you mentioned, you sort of fall in love with it, and uh, it's kind of for life. I can definitely see that now. With that in mind, let's talk a little bit about getting into a position, um, you know, job-wise, becoming a pilot and, and having that as part of your career, sort of help us go through the process of what it's like to, uh, you know, apply for positions, uh, maybe what the, the process is like in the interview. I mean, are they having you fly a plane to see how well you fly, or is it more just uh, the mental side of things? I guess, how does that all work when you're actually looking to find a job as a pilot?
1: Tim, what's happening today in, in 2013 mm-hmm. is they have a two-part interview. First of all, you have an interview face-to-face with the, uh, with the interview team. And they, the next step would be, once you pass that, the next step would be to show the interview team that you actually have the capability of flying. Mm-hmm. And, and they either put you in a simulator. They usually do not put you on the aircraft. Right. You, you already have a logbook that shows your flying experience so they have actually they they basically see that you have done what you are telling them you have done sure so because you keep a log you keep a log of every single hour that you fly the tail number of the aircraft that's the uh, for example november seven two whatever and uh, that's confirmed so the next step would be to put you in the simulator and give you some sort of a scenario and you take off you come back and you land the aircraft in the simulator where there's uh, very little risk and uh and you actually uh show that you have that you can make decisions and you can be put under a little bit of pressure and make the correct decision and decide if you are going to land at your desired destination or if the weather is really bad at your desired destination if you make the logical decision which would would be to Go somewhere else where it would be safe to land. Wait for the weather to improve, then go to your final destination. Hmm. Uh, so they they put you through that situation just to see you act properly and make the series of decisions that a captain with 175 persons in the back and the flight attendants and your first officer and the, so the crew, the the uh, passengers and the crew and you are responsible for their safety. Right. So so you have to. You have to demonstrate that you can. You get what it takes. Basically, it's, it, it, it's the best way to say that it. you have what it takes to be safe and uh, maintain a schedule and uh, customer satisfaction, etc. So, so it's uh, uh, yes, two part. Two parts. You have to do the people uh, session first, and you have to do a small flying session in which also uh, you would have to prove that you are uh, qualified and and. And you're the person that they're looking for to give you the responsibility of the aircraft.
0: So let let's go back just briefly to the interview side of things. I mean, what kind of things are they asking you about? What are they expecting to hear from you when you're trying, uh, you know, I guess to land that job, obviously. But that interview portion, what are they looking to hear from you?
1: Okay, I am going to I'm going to talk about Southwest because sure, yeah, that, that's who I work with. So uh, uh, Southwest looks for someone that has uh, we call it a warrior spirit. And and the warrior spirit is somebody that goes beyond what someone would normally do. Hmm. And I'll give you an example in just a second. And and uh, uh, we have three pillars, basically, that we base all of our decisions, that we're looking for in a person. We we want this person to act and behave per the golden rules of the company, which in one sentence, it's treat everybody else the same way you would like to be treated. Sure. Sure. The second one will be the servant heart which is be a person of service. Don't don't uh you know answer questions, help somebody out, help your coworkers and help your passengers. They have questions. Uh, nobody flies every day, so people have questions. How do I get to this? How do I how do I do that? Can I check this bag? Things that as simple as that, not everybody knows the answer. So you're you're the answer man. And uh the warrior spirit is it's basically going beyond, and uh, I'll give you an example of, the, of going beyond. It's uh, uh, sometimes we have children on the aircraft, unaccompanied minors, mm. and an unaccompanied minors might start on your aircraft. Um, he boards the aircraft in California, and he's coming all the way back to Dallas, but doesn't realize that the uh, that it's a three-hour, four-hour time span, and and has no food. Well, go a little bit beyond and go get a go get him a sandwich go get him an ice cream cone go do something so that so that this person feels that wow they're really treating me very well and they really mean it it's not something that you have to do but we do it we just do it because that's the way we are we just go beyond what a a, a regular person would do you could do your job and draw a line and you fly the airplane from point A to point B safely mm-hmm. You could go beyond that and do a little bit extra care and take care of the uh, grandmother that has to change airplanes, and maybe walk her over to the other gate and say, "This is the airplane that you're going to get on," and I just talk to the agent, and this agent's going to put you and pre-board you so that you go see your grandchildren in, in Manchester, New Hampshire later on today. <laughs> And you know, just tiny things like that right, right. make a, make an incredible difference, and, and uh, people love that. That's what that's what makes us different from, from everybody else.
0: No, I definitely, and I appreciate those examples of just the you know the things that I think when people hear pilot, they as you said, they just think fly to point A, point B, but you can make a difference in other small areas. <laughs> We still have plenty more to get to with Pedro Reguero, an experienced pilot with Southwest Airlines here on I Want to Be A. However, we need to bring part one to a close here on LJN Radio, but make sure you tune into part two of our conversation as we talk about what a week might look like for a commercial pilot and the requirements that also must be met. Just go to localjobnetwork.com radio list and type in I want to be a pilot and part two will be ready for your listening pleasure. Meanwhile, send us an email at Radio at localjobnetwork.com with your comments or suggestions for show topics on any of our LJN Radio programs. I'm your host, Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later.